to Not Another Football Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 1. I'm your host, Greg, joined with by Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Glad to be back. Glad to be here. Excited for this. Don't ask about prequels or anything like that. We're good to go, Season 2. What's That's the right. news, Greg? So, before... We jump into the show, and before we start recapping uh, the off-season and all that fun stuff, we have a new member of the show to introduce. And if you've listened to season one, you're probably really familiar with him. Uh, I think he did an episode with Mike, and if um, besides that, he also was, I think, featured on three other ones. So without... A repeat offender. <laughs> Uh, all right, you know what? Let's just go ahead and introduce him. He's sitting there long enough. JP, how you doing, my man? Man, I'm good. I was playing the whole Cam Newton, I'm back kind of reintroduction. But the fact is... The hats don't fit because you're bald? Well, that and like I want to be around for more than like four games. So I wanted to keep a different vibe. So I'm thrilled. Mm. I'm pumped. I'm so happy to be joining the pod for this season. We're going to have a lot of fun. I'm really excited about this season. So, JP, um, for those who don't know you, why don't you go ahead and just give us a little background on yourself? Yeah. Like, who's your team, what you do, where you live, blah, 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 Any anything you want. Yeah, absolutely. So, for all y'all who don't know me, my name is JP. I am a diehard Carolina Panthers fan, although I was born and raised in Vegas when I was a kid. I watched the 2003 Carolina Panthers Super Bowl run, and I fell in love with watching Steve Smith and Julius Peppers absolutely dismantle the Rams in the playoffs, which is ironic because I now live in St. Louis, so I always get a lot of that. Currently, what I do for work, I work in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, so I spend a lot of my time doing that, and I love that intersection between race, society, and culture and how that impacts a lot of what we do in the sports world, so I'm really excited to kind of bring that different lens um, and yes, I know I'm going to get picked apart all season for being a Panthers fan, but guess what? None of you can upset me or hurt me more than they have. So bring it. When you say they, are you referring to the Panthers or Mike and I for having you, um, buy in so hard to Sam Darnold last year? Yes. <laughs> all the above. Yes. I still haven't forgiven. It's particularly the worst offender of all was you, Greg. So I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I just want the record to reflect that all I did was say, "Hey JP, the Panthers, Panthers are three and zero. You should be happy about this." And he bought, you know, he bought in. He he pushed all his chips inside into the middle, and man, he was happy. But Lies. now, but now he's just Lies. like. Oh, great. This is your fault. You made me do this. You made me like my team. So, um, that's lies, lies and mistruths, just like all of Mike's old Lamar Jackson takes, which he now conveniently denies. First of all, I'm not catching strays here for no reason. That's <laughs> unnecessary, unheard of, uncalled for. Let's be real. The second Baker was traded to the Panthers, someone got a little excited. In fact, didn't you just take him in a fantasy draft yesterday? Well, we're going to talk about that. You're later. number three quarterback. Incredible. Me, we're going to talk incredible about that stuff. Later. Incredible stuff from the Panthers fan. Let's yeah, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that later. 
Um, so Mike, why don't you go ahead and tell people uh, briefly, because I know you can get long-winded sometimes. Uh, what, what, do you, what have you been up to? Well, oh, it was a bright and sunny morning when I really woke up one day. No, actually, I haven't been up to anything. Living in Boston has been same old, same old. Um, I am in the midst of paying for a wedding. I am in the midst of having moved to the suburbs and now am just a regular old coastal elite, baby. That's just me. Let's go. That's it. Nothing yeah, for, the, for those of you that um, were listening towards the end of last uh, season one, actually, Mike had just bought a ring for his for his gal and uh, hadn't proposed to her yet. So um, thankfully for him and for us, she said yes. <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> Brave woman. <laughs> true, truly, she she waded into some deep, deep Ravens waters there. That's that's impressive. I will say, though, she's been such a champ throughout these last <laughs> this last season. Um, but I will say this year, as we were getting ready for, uh, opening week this week, she has had a little bit more eye rolling, a little bit more heavy size. So I'll have to, I'll have to lock it up and and be a good football husband this year, which means only Sundays and Mondays and sometimes Tuesdays, every other Wednesday, you know. So you agree she's tired of your Ravens takes as well. Good thing she likes to sleep because she's going to be real tired this year. Let's go. (laughs) I feel like there's a large portion of the entire NFL Twitter sphere that is tired of Mike's Ravens takes. You mean exists because of Mike's Ravens takes. Love to hear it. Let's go. But Greg, why don't you give us a little update? Uh, So for for me, since last time you guys heard me talk, uh, Camille and I moved back. uh, We moved back to Reno. So we've been here for about five months now. So that's awesome. Um, Back with our friends and family. And, uh, yeah, started, started my business finally. So I have that up and running and just spending a lot of time doing that and working on the house that we moved into and, and, uh, getting it renovated with, with my father-in-law and man, he's, he's done a lot of work. We actually had our first, um, um, I guess outing, not outing. Uh, we had our first set of people over this last weekend. Um, and kind of ate in the backyard. So, man, it was it's a lot of work and uh, felt good. Felt real good. Well, good to hear that you are feeling accomplished and that making this house your home has really been a great experience for you. So welcome back to Reno and hoping that all turns out as good as you sound. Yeah. So uh, enough uh, chit chat. Let's <laughs> let's let's start the show for real. Let's do it. Sure. Well, why don't we just jump in? Um, so talking about this last draft, I just have a couple of quick questions to see kind of where you guys landed on how you, not just your teams did it, but the, really the league did. Out of the entire first round, which team do you think had the best or your favorite first round pick? I'm biased on this one. I'm going with the Detroit Lions and Aiden Hutchinson. Um, just being able to watch him for the whole time he was at Michigan. Uh, he really popped off that last year. And I was telling Camille while we were watching the draft, like I think it would have been really cool if he went number one overall. That would have been great. But I think he landed in a great spot. I love that he's from or went to the University of Michigan, stayed in Detroit. It's going to help that defense out. Um, it really helped that fan base out having 
I'm just going to say a homegrown player beyond that team, someone to root for, someone to cheer for, someone they're familiar with. Um, so for me, that that was my pick. I, you know, like I said, I, I thought he should have went one, but I think he landed in a great spot. And uh, yeah, suck on that, Ohio. <laughs> well, as a follow up to that, Greg, have you been watching any of the the hard knocks with him and his family? You know, I have not. Um, I don't really have access to HBO. Or it, what service is it on? Is it HBO? It's on. It's it's, it it's HBO. But we'll 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 clear that up after this. I I'll, I'll I we'll have, have a production have meeting about it. <laughs> okay. Well, then let me start this over um, because I do have access to HBO. For some reason, I thought it was on something else. And no, I work, baby. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't watched any of the any of the hard knocks on uh, on HBO. It would have been cool. The, honestly, the last Hard Knocks I've ever watched was back in the day when the Ravens were on after they won the Super Bowl. But like since then, I just haven't watched. In 2000? Let's be real. Greg. <laughs> like, it we just... know you're old, but goddamn. <laughs> Always with the old jokes, man. No, but real, um, before this year, I've just never had access to HBO. And then, honestly, I just kind of forgot about Hard Knocks. That's fair, but I, I do think that you would enjoy uh, this season. It's been really great with Dan Campbell and all that stuff, and you know, we can get into that at a later date, but um, I think it's been a very interesting and enlightening view into the type of guy Hutchinson is, and it's really great. I think it's it's nothing but supports kind of what you've been saying and and how not just he's not just a Michigan man, but like it's not just the school, it's the state, and I think that's been been really great to watch and see come through in the way that he has really transformed that defense into what I would argue has been a middling uh, defense over the last couple of years. And, and really now is going to take that next step. And I think, uh, I think that's a really great pick. So what about you, JP? What, 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 what did you see in the first round that you, that tickled your fancy? So I'm, I'm a sucker for the trenches. And I think that the Eagles getting Jordan Davis is going to pay so much come November come December when it when it gets into those seasons where you need to really be able to as an offense establish you have to establish the run you have to be able to win in the trenches and the fact that the man is the size of a Kia soul and can conservatively move, conser- conservative conservative right like the man is huge and the impact he had at Georgia and I think the way the depth that the Eagles have a defensive mm-hmm. line taking mm-hmm. him in that slot allows him to work on his conditioning to improve in you know his his physical training for the NFL season and to have him come in as a whole, more than just a guy that's going to plug the A gap and they don't need to have him on on the field every single play like what was happening and what you would see them do what opponents would do to him at the University of Georgia where they would just you would you would no huddle him off the field but yeah. i think that the depth that they have in, at D-line is really going to allow Jordan Davis to be the best pick of that first round. I do think and feel that he kind of is unnecessarily athletic. Um, for a guy that's literally the size of a refrigerator, like he can just – he moves so well. So what a great pick, truly. And not – you know, JP was talking about the depth on the defensive line. I mean, who not – who better to learn from than Fletcher Cox? Excellent point. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the man is 340 pounds and runs 
a 4-7. Ew. Like, that doesn't seem right or physically possible. So I, I do think, like, having him learn from Fletcher Cox, be in a in a defense that has established that they know how to rotate their guys effectively, looking back to their Super Bowl run in 2017, I think that they really have everything that's in place right now. Even though Doug Peterson's no longer there, I think it's really going to allow the veterans on that team to take him under his wing and really allow him to to be a world wrecker up front. Also, one one more thing to add on Davis real fast. I remember during the draft, the huge thing on him was he's not a three-down player, three-down D-tackle and whatnot. But when you see in this league, I know, but but bigger than that, when you saw the depth that Georgia's defense had, he didn't have to. It's no different than having a quarterback and they're just like, oh, he can't make these throws. Well, the system doesn't necessarily, he doesn't have to make those throws in that system. So I thought that kind of might have been a little bit overplayed for him. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to watch him. I, I'm sad he didn't fall, you know, or that uh, he got picked up before the Ravens. But, um, man, he is, he'll be fun to watch. Yeah, he really will be. That leads us to you, Mike. Yeah, so I know your answer is going to be Kyle Hamilton, but what's your other answer? Oh, no. Actually, but he's not I, wrong I, for thinking that. No, please. I mean, I, you know, it, important to note here that the three of us have a NFL or a group chat that we tend to talk uh, football in. And before the draft, we were asking each other the same question. And JP asked, you know, who, who would Greg and I love to draft for the Ravens more than anything? And, you know, I said some like David Ojabo or something like that. And, you know, Greg had this point where he said in the first round, I'd, you know, maybe I'd take Kyle Hamilton if he falls to us, ha ha ha, as if he wouldn't. Um, so lo and behold, the day of the draft, when he did fall to us, that was a really, really great clairvoyant view from you, Greg. So that's, I have to give you your, your laurels and flowers on that. Um, Thank you, sir. <clears throat> of course, of course. But I think, you know, this will be a little bit strange, but I, I actually think that the uh, my favorite pick was New England's, uh, the 29th pick in the first round being Cole Strange out of uh, Utah Chattanooga. Um, and if you thought that I did that entire setup just to make that joke, you're absolutely right. And I'm really <laughs> going to choose uh, Kair Elam for the Buffalo Bills. And I think that that was a fantastic pick for them. And even though they didn't necessarily need it, it ended up working out very well for them. And I, I think that uh, over the next couple of, of weeks, we'll really see why they, they were so high on that, on that kid. So um, I'm a big proponent of at times in the draft, a good player needs to follow the right team uh, in order to fully actualize their capability. And, and just like Hamilton, I feel like Elam is going to take that next step because of the team that he's on as well. So we've talked about that first, that first round pick, the things that we love. I know that we can tend to be draft junkies. So let's see where in those late rounds, who do you think really solidified themselves of having an A plus draft in those late rounds? And Mike, I'm going to start with you. Well, I have to be honest. Uh, After reading a couple of the articles about the Baltimore Ravens fourth round, I have come to the realization and belief that the Ravens fourth round of last year was arguably one of the better drafts that they've ever had. I mean, with, with those players that they were able to pick, I really feel 
like they were able to make game changing decisions or sorry, game changing choices. And a, a big reason for that happened to be COVID. And in one of the articles I read from ESPN, they made a really good point of establishing that one of the the key reasons that DaCosta wanted, so, sorry, Eric DaCosta, the GM for the Ravens, wanted so many fourth round picks was because of the COVID year and how many players ended up staying an extra year in college and perhaps didn't perform as well as they would have or did prior to that. And so when I look at the Ravens fourth round, I, I have to say that that was just a masterclass in um, value and in <clears throat> the um study that the um study that the ravens do each year um so that's going to be my my pick what about you so for me i'm looking at two teams and it was it was kind of a toss-up between this i looked at the chiefs first because they had so much roster turnover it felt like this offseason that they needed to fill holes and going deep and you know getting that late round getting those late round corners um to really cement what was their biggest issue in them not making the Super Bowl was that defense, was that secondary, was the linebacking core, and they really went to address that right off the bat. But I think that I really have to give this section to the Jets, which is surprising because I think this might be the first thing they've won since the butt fumble. (laughs) Looking at the holes that they needed to fill, right, from top to bottom, you're getting Sauce Gardner, you're getting Garrett Wilson, you're getting Jermaine Johnson, Brecy Hall, And then ending out with depth at the tackle position, which, as we've already seen, they've had injuries go down. You're now looking at adding depth there and then also adding depth on the edge, which is a problem that every team is going to seem to have once it gets later in the year, is where is your depth at the end the pass rushing? So I really think that Joe Douglas did a really good job in finding ways to add top-tier quality talent at the front of the draft while making sure that they're solidifying a lot of um, depth on the end. So I really think that, I think the Jets, I think the Jets, Eagles, and then in that third and fourth spot is a toss-up between the Chiefs and the Ravens. If we're looking at who really dug deep in the draft to fill out their holes. It's funny that you say the Jets, JP, because I think this is the third year in a row where I think we've all talked and have all kind of agreed that Jets have done a really good job kind of building out their roster and just getting quality picks. Um, Mm -hmm. I know we were just talking about, you know, kind of the late draft, but adding an edge and a corner in the first round like that. And if sauce Gardner is, if he just continues playing how he played in the preseason, he's just carrying it over from college. So say what you will about the Jets. They actually, I mean, you obviously have to put it together. It's you, you, your team isn't just built on paper. You have to put it on the field. And I think that is where they've struggled the most over the years is actually putting together the team. Um, but they'll be interesting. They, they, they did win the draft, you know, in kind of in our opinion. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. So next up, I want to talk about trades. There were some big trades that happened during the off season. Um, I guess I don't even want to limit it to to just big trades. What trades happened or didn't happen this offseason that surprised you guys or that you just got extremely excited about? If you want to talk about your own team, be my guest. Just keep it short. All right. So I guess I know I know what we're all hinting at here, right? 
So Carolina Panthers traded for Baker Mayfield. And I feel like this was an opportunity to learn from past mistakes. They didn't give up a ton of capital like they did for Darnold. You're getting a starting qual- a starting caliber quarterback. Yes. Am I tempering my expectations? Absolutely. We have a lot of issues we got to fix up front. But the fact is we're bringing in someone who's proven that they can win in the NFL. You put them in the right situation. You give them the right type of offense and they will be successful. And that's what that's exact opposite of Sam Darnold coming in. Sam Darnold had yet to prove himself as a winner, has yet to prove himself as capable of not putting up the absolute worst numbers and worst QBR numbers in the history of QBR coming into what would be his, what was his uh, fourth season. And then we picked up an option without even seeing him playing a snap. So I think that's important. I think the one thing I do want to talk about that's even more surprising to me was whatever the 49ers decided to do with Jimmy G. So the fact that the 49ers didn't end up moving Jimmy Garoppolo, who had arguably a higher trade value than Baker Mayfield because of the the disparate success between him and Baker Mayfield, is you had two quarterbacks on the market after Cleveland did what they did. So it's, it's, it's interesting that they would not strike while the iron's hot trying to get something, because I know Carolina was calling. We know that Seattle has been calling. But to have him stick around and then eventually restructure his deal. I feel like they played their hands wrong. And yes, you still have Jimmy G as a backup, but what does that do for your quarterback room? So I think the 49ers moves this offseason were some of the most shocking to me. And I think to to pile on that a little bit, they went out of their way to get him as if he was going to be their future franchise guy. And then became pretty disillusioned quickly uh, when they when they picked up a, a guy that had only thrown in his entire career a little over 300 passes. I mean, it's it's impressive the amount of faith and trust that the 49ers are willing to put into these quarterbacks. But to Greg's point just a, a little bit ago, it's it's a team that's not that looks great on paper, rather but isn't necessarily showing that on the field. And I think that's where the crux of a lot of these trades really starts to, to be tersed out and to be understood. Because it's not necessarily how big the trade is. Because, of course, Wentz going to the Commanders or Wilson to the Broncos sounds like it's, it's earth-shattering or, or huge. But if they go out this next season and just lay an egg, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money, that's a lot of time, that's a lot of effort, that's a lot of every other piece of the NFL je ne sais quoi that is not necessarily being as effective for the team as they thought it would be or as, as they would want it to be. And there's no way around saying that Jimmy G had been an abject failure in San Francisco because they didn't win Super Bowls, they didn't earn those banners or even you know division titles that they thought they were going to get with him as that guy. Um, and so I think it's, it's very interesting to take, to take that perspective as well. Um, if I have to say uh, for trades, I think I would, I would dive in and, and just kind of say Tyreek to the dolphins was the most intriguing or at least the one that, that made me kind of raise my eyebrows and, and be most, most interested to see how it works out. Because again, not being built on paper, being built on the field. I'm not sure how the, to a Tyreek thing goes. And I like, I would love to see a 
a season like Lamar Jackson in 2019, an MVP caliber season, but I just don't see him having that kind of season behind the line that they've, that they've built. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see what that looks like, but I think that has been, um, at least for me, one of the, one of the biggest, um, Greg, what about you? Where, where do you fall on all of this stuff? Well, I, w- I want to touch on that Tyreek Hill trade real fast. Do you guys feel that it was, do you feel like it was a, a smart trade for the, n- not from the Dolphins for, well, actually, I guess for both. Was it a good trade? You know, if, if I'm looking at it from the Chiefs perspective, when I have a secondary guy like McCole Hardman sitting in the wings who can pretty much do the route running that Tyreek could, I'm missing that that X factor difference maker that is going to catch the ball and be the difference in the team. And I don't necessarily think Tyreek was even that for the Chiefs so much as their offensive scheme provided him the oppor- more opportunities to be successful. And I just don't see that with a, a rookie head coach and a new scheme and kind of the way that I'm, – I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not even sure if he's a rookie head coach, but the way that, that Miami has their offense set up. Um, so I, I really – I think he's going to become quite frustrated, to be honest. Um, but I and I think that's why this this trade is so intriguing to me because Tyreek has the ceiling to be one of the, the – exceptional NFL wide receivers in the league and, you know, listening to his podcast and the stuff that he's putting out, like, you know, he already thinks that he's there, but really when you look at his track record, it, you know, it's, it's a whole bunch of, of first place wins, but it's not necessarily a bunch of division Super Bowl playoff wins. And so I think since that's the metric by which we measure every player now, apparently, it's it's not going to be the the same type of overnight success that I think Miami has, is hoping for because they've changed so much. But that's not necessarily, again, saying that he won't be individually successful, but I'm not sure how his disposition fits in with, with the current Miami roster considering uh, the other receivers they have. See, I'm going to push back on that because I, I, I think schematically looking at what you saw San Francisco do last year with Debo Samuels. I think you're going to see a lot of that in Miami. Tyreek out of the backfield? No, thank you. No, but he, but you 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 look at you look at how he's how he's physically composed, like his physical structure as compared to most other speed guys, right? He's the he's arguably the fastest person in the league, but he's not that same long, skinny, like he is built. So he has the durability and that's what set him apart. And you mentioned, the, you know, the Miko Harmon waiting in the wings. I think what the X factor is, is his durability as a speed guy. He rarely misses games. He rarely misses things. And the entire concept behind that Shanahan style of offense is get the ball in playmakers' hands as quick as possible and then scheme them into space. The issue that you have is that if you look at the speeds, so the, the top MPH of players over the last year three of them are currently on the Dolphins roster in Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill and Raheem Mostert so I think that that trade is going to be successful the thing that was really cautious about the Dolphins coming into this is obviously Tua but I think you have to look in front of Tua to actually evaluate how he's been the last year the Dolphins offensive line in PFF grading was the worst since PFF began in 2006 the worst so how do you effectively evaluate what was a rookie QB behind an offensive line that can't protect him? 
which leads me to the signing of Teron Armstead, right? So you go and you pick up a veteran tackle who knows what they're doing, who's played on, you know, top five offensive lines. So I think that schematically it's going to be very interesting because even listening to interviews with Mike McDaniels, originally he was like, you know, I'm going to do this to Jalen Waddle. I'm going to give him the ball all the time. He's going to be a fantasy monster. And that was his own quotes. And then he said, hey, there's a possibility to get Tyreek when uh, Chris Greer called him up. He was like, hey, this is a possibility. He's like, I send everything. Because that type of player that Tyreek Hill is, is the size and the speed you don't find. It is not an organic. And just the same thing as we were talking about earlier with Jordan Davis, right? You don't get that mat, that mix of size and speed quite often. So I think that the way that the Dolphins will be able to get them into space, I think it's going to pay off. I just don't know if it's worth the amount of, well, they had the extra picks. So even then, you're not really losing a whole bunch because you've, you from the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, from the Laramie Tunsil trade, you've amassed a bunch of first-round picks. So, but did really, they the, take any offensive help, or like I guess offensive protection help? So like linemen or tight ends or people who can step in and, and block for him. That's why I was telling you they went out and got Toronto Armstead to play right tackle. So I mean, there's there there have been small improvements, but it, you can't tell until we get onto the field, right? So. I think there's going to be I a big think, vibe for this, this entire right? podcast. <laughs> All right. We'll find, one, out. Baby. we'll find out what happens in five days. Yeah. Well, to, to wrap this up before we move on is I think looking at it from the chief's perspective, I think inevitably you lose a player like Hill and I, I don't care how many picks you get back. Your team is automatically worse. Like, I don't care how you, what receivers you bring in, you do lose, you know, you lose something that can't be replaced. His speed, what you're able to do, can't be replicated. Five picks, man, I would have, I would have gave him in a heartbeat. I would have packed his bags for, you know, for him. I've been like, see you, man. We're giving you, we get five picks back. I just, it's just stupid of him not to. Um, I've said this before, and I, I know I could be wrong on this, and. Um, we'll find out this year. I don't know if Tyreek being Tyreek is more on the scheme in Kansas city and Mahomes being able to put the ball wherever on the field that made it so easy for them to, to do whatever they needed to do. Or if the ski or if Tua will be able to replicate that. Now I saw just a couple things in the preseason where it was just like that type of offense that Shanahan runs looked really good was, you know, he was making wide open throws to people because they were having these, you know, stretch zone runs that the whole defense was biting. So I don't know, but that being said, two is your guy. It's year, I don't know, three for him. You're kind of all in, you have to, you, you have to build around him. So why not put the two fastest people in the entire league at the wide receiver on the same field and see what you can do. I think it was smart on both. I do think it was a lot of picks to give up, um, but I don't. I really don't blame either team for doing it. And I think it's we see a similar thing playing out in Philadelphia, right? They traded those. They traded. They traded picks. They traded assets to go out and get AJ Brown to mm-hmm. pair with, you know, a Devonta Smith as a way to test. Like, all right, Jalen Hurts. It's it's ironic that it's the two Alabama quarterbacks, right? 
that are now in there like, hey, this is your prove it season. We went out, we got you weapons, we got you, we got you things to be successful. Now you have to put it together. Yeah, no more excuses. It must be nice when a team. Exactly, Greg. That's that's exactly it. It it's it's the no more excuses um, situation, and it's it's ironic when teams you know do so much to see if their quarterbacks when they are, are on those prove it deals um, can actually prove it. Um, it's almost like you, you know, should go out and get a wide receiver or something. Hey man, Steve Smith Senior came over, and that was a great wide receiver. So I'm gonna shut that down right there, Mike. Yep. <laughs> Before he even get Whatever. started, <laughs> Whatever. Um, Whatever. It wasn't Mike Wallace. Anyways. Okay. Re- Cut it. Real, Whatever. Real fast. Uh, the other trade I want to talk about. It, it was huge. I don't. I think I'm blaming one side more for this one, and I want to talk about this quickly mainly just because I feel like you don't see stuff like this happen. And that was the Russell Wilson trade. And Oh, excellent. A team moving off of a franchise quarterback at his age is just, I don't care what they got back in return. To me, you weren't going to make up for that. Um, how many years are going to have to go by or draft picks or money spent for you to find your next quarterback? It's not going to be in this draft. Um, you you couldn't get Jimmy G. I understand he was in your division, so it's going to be harder to give up. I the impact of that, I feel like the Seahawks are gonna they're gonna feel that one for a while. And it seems like they're trying to build their offense around DK Metcalf, and it's just it's not the same as building around a guy like Tyreek or even AJ Brown. And that sounds like almost sacrilegious in the NFL to say, but. I mean, what A.J. Brown was able to do in in Tennessee, I feel outpaced what D.K. Metcalf was able to do in Seattle with Russell Wilson. And so to your point, you're now going to saddle him up with Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Like, I don't know. It, 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 It doesn't seem as though there was much thought put into how this would go post that trade versus how they wanted to move on from him immediately the the reality is is like when you know he's not going to re-up his contract do you want to be do you want to put yourself in a situation where you're playing this franchise tag game i mean look at what happened with washington in the Kirk cousins situation do you want to keep playing out this this franchise tag he doesn't want to be with pete carroll anymore he's tired of that offense you know the 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 somewhat antiquated power football without the kind of ingenuity of a Shanahan or what the Ravens have been able to to implement, right? So when you're thinking about from an ownership perspective and a GM perspective, you have to be able to get value as opposed to losing value for losing value for nothing. So right, that was a net loss. Like there wasn't any aspect of of what they did that earned them anything more than they had ending last year i didn't no. feel at least no but you but you get you get a young tight end you get draft picks and you have the ability and you have the flexibility going into next offseason right you cut a ton off the cap space you're gonna you're gonna eat some of that dead money in the trade but next year you're going into the offseason with more cap space you have more draft picks and you have what next year is shaping up to be a much better quarterback draft so you were in that limbo of like we have to make a move now. And it's exactly what teams like Washington, like Carolina, 
have failed to have the foresight in figuring out how am I going to actually address this problem when it comes up rather than scrambling to find one year fill-ins. And I get that as where we are today, but the fact that they let this get to that point where it came down to, Oh shoot, we need to move them or before we get nothing and franchise and franchise and tag them. The fact that they even let it get to this point blows my mind. I just, I don't understand. I mean, I do. Ego is, is a huge thing. I feel like a lot of people struggle with it, especially when it comes with NFL coaches and GMs and owners. And I think that inevitably is what, um, is the reason why he left is because it was a struggle between Carol wanting the power and like, I feel like it kind of like, oh, this is my team. I'm, I need to show people. Um, yeah, but I mean, as an organization, I it should have been taken care of a couple of years ago. So they didn't even get to this point. But instead, they spent money on getting Jamal Adams. And he's, to me, is not even the best safety in the game. But you pay him like that. And you're doing all this stuff, but you couldn't get him offensive line. And you couldn't get him a, a good running back. Yeah, you found Metcalf, but that's because he fell to you guys. You know, or because people people didn't take him because of whatever there was attached to him during the draft. It's not like you guys found a diamond in the rough. So, right. Don't, don't conflate that luck for acumen. Exactly. You know, I really appreciated the Devonte Adams Las Vegas trade. I think it opened up a lot of ability for both teams. Um, but I also think uniting Devonte Adams with, Derek Carr, again, um, is going to be lethal in the league, to be honest. And I think that um, if anybody watched them at, at Fresno State, like the nerds we are, um, I think that there was a lot of positives there in, in, in their relationship and in the way that they uh, interact on the field. So I'm very excited to see what the Raiders trot out uh, this upcoming season. Um, that being said, I think the... Uh, the Mac trade to the Chargers is both an indictment and um, an opportunity. Sorry, is an indictment and was an opportunity for uh, Las Vegas to really cement themselves as a team that's willing to do business. Um, bringing in Josh McDaniels again um, after his failed attempt in, in Indianapolis is another thing that I think. Excuse me, the Raiders are really just angling towards towards wanting to be a name in that division. And, and after seeing the types of players and receivers and skill in that division, it is encouraging to see the kind of steps that they're taking uh, to address that and make it much more competitive. And the same thing can be said for the, the LA charters in, in getting Khalil Mack. And I think it's, I think it's important that we talk about the biggest story of the year, uh, the Deshaun Washington situation. And we've discussed amongst the three of us this situation ad nauseum. Um, I think it's important that we let all of our listeners know that the three of us were completely revolted and disgusted by the acts committed by Deshaun Watson. He's deeply impacted the lives of dozens and dozens of women and will completely impact the lives of dozens and dozens of people, not only directly affected by the situation, but individuals who will have to be forced to relive his actions in perpetuity by seeing him out on the football field. We think what has been 
done by the Browns, the statements released, the actions by the NFL is just a complete lack of accountability, responsibility, and just a complete showing of ill faith in the process and completely finding a way to show that the NFL does not care. There is a deep sense of mistrust amongst the three of us in the way that the NFL conducts itself. Um, and I think it's important that all of our listeners know that we, the three of us, Mike, Greg, and myself, are completely against him touching the football field at, at all. So I think it's important that we touch on that. We're going to we're gonna move forward with the podcast, but it was important for us to, to make a statement today. And fellas, if you want to add in, please, I don't want to take up all of this space. No, very well said, JP. Moving on to our last topic of the day, we are talking about yearly predictions. So at the beginning of the year, it's very easy to predict who you think is going to win uh, the um, their divisions, who's going into the playoffs, and who's going to win the Super Bowl. Um, very easy to do right now. And, you know, as we've learned from every year previous, by week four, it seems like it's all out of the window. So what do we want to start with, AFC or NFC? Let's start Why with... Why don't we go NFC since we normally do AFC? <laughs> okay, also, I feel, I feel like the NFC might be a little bit easier because I just kind of feel like it's wide open. Um, I don't think there's one team that I think is coming out of there that is unanimous. So let's go ahead and start with, um, let's, I don't know, let's start with the NFC North. Mike, who do you think is winning the division and why? So I have Green Bay, and I have Green Bay because I really think that their offense is going to be a little bit too powerful to than the rest of the division, to be honest, and that's, that's it. I mean, I, I really think that they're going to, show up on day one and have something a little bit different. And, you know, Rodgers on his ayahuasca is going to have a whole different take on life in the field than perhaps he did the last couple of seasons. So I'm excited to see him reinvigorated and kind of back in the game. So I have, I have green Bay. What about y'all? I think it's interesting that you are saying it's their offense over their defense. I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I have green Bay taking this division and it's for the exact opposite reasons. I think that that offense is going to, I think the offense is going to slow down. You're losing the best wide receiver in football. I mean, it's hard. We talked about this earlier. It's hard to 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 fill that that void. And as much as we love, you know, Romeo Dobbs, Wolfpack alum, I don't think he's going to be able to step into that that hole that's being left. I what think about the other receiver they drafted. I mean, they've done a little bit more than just draft Romeo Dobbs to be on their team. But how many people do you think it's going to take to replace the production of Devontae Adams? The best, the best, the best red zone (laughs) threat in the league and the best route runner in the league. So unless you can find both of that, like, I think that's going to be very difficult. I think where they're going to win that division is on that defense because that defense is scary. You have Jair Alexander, you have, you lost a little bit of, of the, the the pass rush off the edge, but the fact that they are continuously finding ways to churn over pressure and create pressure from multiple ways rather than relying on one individual person to bring that pressure, I think while turnovers is always a stat like ripe for regression, I think the amount of pressure and the amount of sacks 
that they can generate is really going to what's going to separate from a division that has, you know, two teams that they're going to they're going to feast on in Detroit and Chicago. And what is Kirk Cousins going to be able to do? Right. So I think Chicago takes it. Well, let me go ahead and uh, let me tell you what he's going to do, JP. Oh, God. <laughs> because Minnesota is winning that division. Oh, there's a take. You like that? Wait, I, I actually think that's trademarked. I'm not sure if I can say that. Um, but no, I, I think I think getting Zimmer out of there uh, will kind of breathe some new new air and 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 just just be nice for that organization. Uh, a lot of people were towards the end just weren't happy with him. And for for a defensive genius, air quote guru, uh, the defense sure did suck for the last like two or three years. So I think with the new coaching staff, I think they're well-rounded with the additions that that brought in on defense to kind of help uh, their older defense. I think they'll win the division. It not by multiple games. I think it will just come down to one game that they win. I think they split the head to head with the Packers this year. And I think the Packers somehow slip out, slip up sometime this year. And um, they do lose a close one to either Chicago um, I'm going to say they lose a close one to um, Chicago. So I think Minnesota will take that. That's a safe pick. Yeah. And I, you know, I really like Chicago this year too. So it's like, it's, it makes it a little bit more difficult to make these predictions when you have multiple teams in the division that are capable. And I know we'll, we'll get into that, but that's, that's definitely a point of consideration. So moving on to the NFC East, JP, let's start with you. So I've talked about them all day. I think it's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the injuries to the Chicago to the uh, the Dallas Cowboys offensive line is are really going to hinder that offense. And I don't think that Trayvon Diggs is going to come out with another eleven interception year. I think the, the quarterback that, def- that had the most yards thrown on him, crazy, yeah. it's incredible. Right? You know, it's risk reward. Kind of, you see the same thing in people like Marcus Peters. So I think it's important to realize that. I th- that is going to regress. I think everything is in place. You know, they've got James Bradbury. They've got Darius Slay. They've got depth at all important positions. I think their late round pick of N'Kobe Dean, if he comes back healthy from this pectoral injury, yeah. Yeah. that's going to help round out that linebacker core. And then on offense, you have an offensive line that's only going to get better. Cam Jurgens is looking great in camp. And then what you've done is you've gone out and you've gotten weapons. Hopefully Miles Sanders is healthy for a year, but you have now two studs on the outside. You have a dependable tight end. I think that they, I think the Eagles are going to take it this year. Well, don't forget Kenneth uh, Gainwell too. Like they have, they have some studs. They've, they've built in a way that's reminiscent of their 2017 run is where they are prioritizing depth at every position but they still capped it off with a huge push in signing, you know, Pro Bowl caliber talent, uh, trading for Pro Bowl caliber talent with AJ Brown. So, Greg, who's taking the NFC East crown for you? I won't add too much on it. I'm going with the Eagles as well. Um, I wanted to. I, I think Cowboys would have been a good pick just because of um, how they looked the last couple of years. But I think they've just lost too much. I do think they have. Um, probably a leading candidate for defensive player of the year um, on the edge with Michael Parsons. But I, 
offensively, they Cowboys seem like too much of a question mark for me. So I, I'm going to go with the Eagles this year. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point, and I it's it's hard to to really <laughs> combat any of that because I mean the the NFC East has been kind of the locale of the NFL, if not just the NFC for the last couple of years, and um, I think the Eagles have done the most of those four teams to really um, take their game to another level. So I, I also have them, um, but I do have um, the Giants coming in at a clean second. Um, and I'm excited to see if they're able to send more than one team to the playoffs, uh, provided that the NFC South only sends half one team. Wait, did I? Did you re- the Giants? The the uh, are you as baffled as I am right now, Greg? Yeah, I th- I was I was looking at my notes and I I heard the Giants and then JP I saw you look up and I think we both thought the same thing at the exact same time. So, but hey, I mean, whatever. I, I'm. I'll let you have it. Um, I, I picked a we'll second see. place team to maybe make the playoffs. I don't have to like die on this hill, but I'm telling you, I I liked what I saw from the Giants' defense this preseason, and I'm only laughing because I still have some offensive questions. But as a as it looks to the rest of that division with with the Cowboys and with the Commanders, I'm not sure that either of those offenses are going to be better. And we'll see. And we'll Yo, see. I could be completely wrong. I, I, I think I'm legitimately at a loss for words here. So let let's let's move to uh, the NFC South since <laughs> I don't I don't know. I think we're more confused with anything. I'll go ahead and uh, start this one off. I think the Panthers are. I'm just kidding. Don't um, don't <laughs> on the back of Sam Darnold. He's on the IR. Oh, wait, watch when he comes. Finally. Uh, no, uh, I think this one, um, to me, could be a toss-up. And I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going with the Saints, mainly because of their defense. And until I see Brady beat them, I, I'm i going to have to choose them. Um, I don't not, – not saying that I don't like the Bucks. Sorry, Cam, I think the Bucks are still good. But um, just not sure if they're going to come out firing. Honestly, I don't have too much – conviction in this but i'm going with the saints you know greg that's it's a pretty bold take right there not as bold as the giants at you hey man at least they might win more whatever who knows you know it's 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 my favorite part of the season um as i'm trying to look up who the other teams are in this stupid division i'm just kidding um no but i really think that uh i actually have tampa bay so i i can't really talk too much I, th- I think that if if Brady comes back with any of the constitution that he had last year it's just he's he's a tough out and when it comes down to like playoffs and division games he's just a different animal um and it depending on their their health and you know unfortunately there's, there's too many things I'm saying that it depends on but um I think I think Tampa Bay takes this this division this year um but it's going to be a battle and and this is the one that this and the NFC East are probably the two that I'm the least confident in uh, for the rest of this 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 chat. So uh, that's all I really got on Tampa Bay. And here comes the defeatist Panthers fan because it's for sure going to be the Bucks taking it this year. The defense <laughs> is too good. The offense it just it doesn't make sense because you're going to find a way that somehow Julio Jones, who people forget signed with the Bucks. 
He's going to turn back the clock because it's playing with Brady. It's that Florida weather, baby. It's just, for me, the division plays as offensive line health plays. The reason why I can see the Saints giving them a little bit of trouble is that the Bucks have lost so much in the interior of their offensive line. A lot of injuries up front, but it looks like those some of those people are going to be able to come back this season. And the book on Brady has always been you have to get pressure with four, especially pressure up the middle. The thing with Brady last season is, aside from Ben Roethlisberger, Brady had the second fastest release time in the NFL. And like, I think it was like 2.4 seconds. So with how good that offense is and how sharp his mind is, there isn't going to be a way to, to really slow down because you have Chris Godwin, you have Mike Evans, you have Julio Jones. You have Russell Gage. They just have so many weapons. And on defense, with David and White in the middle of that, like commanding the middle of that that linebacking core with all the depth they have up front, with their corners have decided they actually want to show up again. It's that that team is gonna gonna run away with the division. As much as it troubles me as a Panthers fan to say that, it hurts me in my heart. It's the end of Anchorman. It's like I hate you, but damn it, do I respect you. <laughs> That's such a great line. It, it is. And I, I think, you know, talking about quarterback play, making the difference in your division, I think that makes the best transition to go over to the NFC West. So, Greg, we have one of the most competitive divisions in all of football, the NFC West. Who do you think is going to walk away on top of that division with, you know, the reigning Super Bowl champions? That is who I'm going with. Um and that's, that's mainly because I know what I'm going to get from them. I saw it towards the end of last year. If I knew what I was getting from the Niners, I would choose the Niners. But I don't know who I'm getting for the quarterback. It Easily, I think they have one of the best overall teams in the league. But because quarterback is the most important position in football. I, I'm going to have to go with what I've, what I've seen um, and the veteran in Matthew Stafford and the Rams, uh, the additions that they picked up and they kind of solidified their line again. I know they lost Von Miller, but like he's kind of, I'm just going to say he's on his the back end. Um, I, I think Rams are going to win it. I don't think they're going to repeat as a Super Bowl winner, but I, they're going to win that division. What about you, Mike? How do you think Allen Robinson does, who's – we totally forgot to talk about as a trade guy, um, but do you think that he and – I'm sorry. Do you think that he really levels up his game with Stafford versus Stafford's injury holding back what their offense is capable of doing? I think he'll pick up where he left off in Chicago. I mean, what he was able to do with the – like the no, no offense to them, but the no-name quarterbacks that he's had the last – you know, five years and what he's able to do and how he produced yeah. in Jacksonville. You know, now he's got a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, he's not going to light up the league, but he's going to do exactly what they want him to do. Fair, fair, fair enough. He's also never played across a wide receiver like Cooper Cup. Great point. So, Absolutely it, great point. So much is so much of it is about spacing and attention, right? Who's going to draw the double team now? Because mm. you saw that's why OBJ was so successful once he got traded there last year is that now you have you have another person that you have to respect. So who do you who do you send the double to? You send the double to Cooper Cup. All right, you have Allen Robertson, who's one of the best contested catch guys in the, 
you you're gonna put him on a one on one. Right. And do you have a do you have a corner or safety that can match up with him yeah. and, and like actually be a difference maker? Yeah. Do you have the the it's all about depth. Do you have two? Do you have also, two corners that can know, go out and do that? JP, you said it. Also, I mean OG OBJ is still unsigned. What if he just stays in LA? Uh, oh, then what are you gonna stop do it. without without stop receiving it. four? This is a family podcast, Greg. No one needs that kind of disgusting talk. I mean, no, thank you. the Rams just find ways to keep people. I wouldn't be surprised if he stays there. I mean, I've seen McVay's house. Yeah, I'd stay there too. <laughs> so, Mike, who do you have in the division? Oh, man, I have the Rams, of course. Like, it's just that in that division, to your point, like, who who's going to step up other than the Rams to like, who's going to dethrone them? pretty much. And I think this off season, it's been pretty clear that, you know, talking heads, pundits, everybody really thinks that whatever you did last season carries over almost one-to-one to this next season. Now, those of us who have, I don't know, any experience in this league know that's not true, but it's an interesting point when you look at kind of the way that these divisions shake out. And when a division winner and Super Bowl champion only adds to their team instead of losing folks that are very important. Um, I think it, it, it really drives the point home that they're, they're going to be the ones who, who take it back. And, you know, the rest of the, the rest of the teams in that division have tried to, to do enough to step up and, and be more competitive, but I, I still don't see them being anything, anything special this year. So I think the Rams take that. See, here we go. I believe the 49ers will win this division. I think there will be a bit of a Super Bowl hangover early in the season. I think the Niners are going to pick up important division games. I think that there's a strong possibility that the Rams end up representing the NFC again in the Super Bowl. But I think that when it comes time to it, I think it's going to be those two leading the pack. I don't think that – I think the, the suspensions and the injuries down in Arizona are going to cause some issues. It's going to allow the Niners to really pick up on those crucial games. And I think – I think that both the Niners and the Rams will be in the postseason. I just think that the Niners will end up taking it. I think there's going to be that that difference between game manager and good quarterback. I think that small level of being able to make a play when everything breaks down and it's off script. I think we're going to get that from Trey Lance. And we've been seeing it in the preseason and in camp, like, you know, tape out of camp whichever, however much value you decide to put into that. I think that we're going to see the Niners offense take that next step. Even though now that in game, he's conservatively at 40, four, 400 passes in with like in, in game time and game speed, not, not anything practice. You still think that's going to be enough for him to take that next step? I think, I think a lot of people forget how athletic he is. And I think, I think with the type of system that they run, right, you're giving him the option. So it's a, it's a lot of that zone read. It's a lot of that stretch plays, Mm -hmm. getting the QB out of the pocket, getting them clean sight, clean sight lines at receivers. I think what makes that difference is that unlike Jimmy G, who is a little athletic, you know, sneaky athletic. I think the difference is that Trey Lance has a composition of kind of that that younger Cam Newton style of very aggressive running. 
a little bit different from like the Kyler and Lamar's where it's going to be, I'm going to get my yards shiftily. I'm going to get my yards, get down or get my yards, get out of bounds and avoid taking that hit. I think he has the mentality of I'm going to go and get those extra yards. And in those situations where instead of you're rolling out, you don't see anything, you're going to hit, you're going to hit a quick, you know, throw out of bounds. He's going to go forward that, that five, six yards. He, which and so then durability is not a, not an issue that you're, that you're seeing. Cause I mean, those other quarterbacks you mentioned they're the key knock on them is durability and how long they can sustain th- that kind of play, even though to your point, they might be doing little things here or there to earn those extra yards versus putting their head down, which you're saying Lance would do. Um, so I guess how does that kind of play into their division that has some pretty good defenses? I mean, we talk about a lot of the offense on, on the Rams, but that, that defense is pretty, still, still pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that's a problem for next year. So that's why I'm taking them this year. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, uh, JP drafting Lance and having him on his Madden League has nothing to do with this. No, not at all. We don't yes. talk about that. <laughs> well, since we are in the West, let's just stay on the West Coast, the best coast. What up? Um AFC West. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the AFC West is now taken over as officially the toughest division in football. I think uh I don't think there should be any argument in that. It was the NFC West, but with all the additions this year, I uh, hands Mike's looking at me because he's like, "Oh, the AFC South is still the best or North." <laughs> um keep throwing them out there, Greg. You'll get it one day. <laughs> Um, JP, won't, uh, won't you start off with who you think is winning, um, AFC West? Oh, this is so hard. This is this. So ultimately I think the additions made in the off season, I, I think, and I have some, you know, I, I come from, from Vegas I have way too many friends that are Raiders fans. I think the Chargers are going to end up taking it this year. I think the offensive line, another year of Rashawn Slater getting better on the edge. I think going out and getting Cleo Mack to add next to Joey Bosa. If Derwin James stays healthy, you're looking at, you're looking at just like just monsters all over the field. And I think that another year of seeing the game, of understanding and being able to read defenses, I think Justin Herbert's just only going to get better. And I think that this year, if they get into a situation, they won't call a timeout when the other team's trying to try, trying to tie the game. Who knows? That or Brandon Salas getting get fired. <laughs> it's the AFC West. They never fire coaches for lack of timeout management, right? That yeah, otherwise Reed would have been forever. gone years ago. Yeah. Hey, man, he has that he has that staying power. Salas a young gun. He yeah. Get out. Yeah, you you also could not coach. You that would be the best division for you to coach in because you your usage of timeouts in Madden is atrocious. Be terrible. So oh, now we're suddenly comparing it to Madden. Come on, man. Like <laughs> JP, let me go ahead and piggyback off of you because I I have the Chargers as well for everything you said. I Who doesn't. I truly think that the well, I don't think they're going to run away with it by any means. But I no, it's going to be real close. You, you touched on it at the very end right there, JP. I think the – I don't know if he's a great coach. I know he's he he's <laughs> aggressive and everyone loves it. You either love it or you hate it. Um, 
if they're going to have any undoing this year other than health, which you can never predict, I think it might be the coaching decisions by Staley. He's aggressive when he shouldn't be, or he does something at the wrong time when he should have, um, because it doesn't seem like he's been able to kind of figure out that healthy balance yet. So if they lose the division, um, I, I think it will be truly be on his shoulders and he doesn't just have to say, Oh, I own this one. I take it as, as a coach, like how you should it yeah. will legitimately be his fault. So chargers are winning that division. Sorry, Tim. And I think that, <laughs> but I think that's a great point too. And I kind of wish, I wish Anthony Lynn had this kind of team to make the mistakes he made with. Like, that's all I'm going to say on that. But I think, I think Anthony Lynn could have called some, better timeouts, but I also have the Chargers winning and, and man, I just, I'm excited to see their, their next step. It's, it's been, you know, they've been at the brink for a season. And I think to everyone's point, having another year in just helps Herbert helps that team helps everyone kind of get it together and, and work together a little bit better. That defense is going to be scary adding, you know, their, their pass rush is going to be unfair uh, if if everybody works out in the same way that we think they will, um, no, I I really think the the Chargers have it this year, um, but I think Greg, you made an excellent point. This is the toughest division in football, and I think each team in this division has done something to make themselves a little bit better this off season or a lot bit better, and I think that's going to really matter as we get kind of down the shoot. Um, but I think the Chargers defense is going to be the thing that that really bails them out. And that's not even to say that they won't necessarily split Kansas City or split Las Vegas or you know any of this stuff. But, you know, I, I think that they've done enough uh, to solidify their, themselves there. I will say in, on the more interesting note that I, I, I really do think that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a great year. Um, and I think we'll be able to see what his capability is without players like Tyreek, clearly, but also kind of see how uh, the offense around him and him alone functions and good or for, for better or for worse. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of how that division plays out. And I'll be staying up real late here on the best coast, uh, sorry, the beast coast um, to to see how that how a lot of those games uh, end up. Let's travel south. Let's talk about the AFC South. A lot of a lot of interesting turnover in this division, um, and a potential MVP candidate in this division. Who do you have, Greg, taking the AFC South this year? Uh, obviously, my heart wants to go with. You know what? Actually, I want to say. Oh, God, oh switch so it torn. up real fast. Well, I just thought about something that makes me hate them from a couple years ago, even though I'm going to go with them. So two years ago, I chose this team in my survivor pool and I lost week one and I swore that I would never like them again or root for them. But oh, let's go. I'm going to say I think the Colts win it. Um, I think they actually have. Um, I do think. Matt Ryan is an upgrade from Carson Wentz. Um, I think there's no doubt about that. Um, Jonathan Taylor is a MVP front runner. And Mm -hmm. the defense, I think, is still solid. So I'm just going to 
I'm locking it in right now, and I'm going to say the Colts win it. Um, I think Titans lost too much. I think the last two years it's just been kind of close between the Titans and the, the Colts, and the Titans have been able to put uh, – actually, Derrick Henry has been able to put the Titans on his back, and I, I just don't thighs. think that that's happening this year with um, with the loss of Brown. So Colts, Colts for the win. Yeah, I – it was literally until last week I had the Titans taking this division. And then they're, yeah, they're, they're starting, you know, pro bowl caliber defensive end goes down and tears his ACL. And yeah, awful. I think that's too much. I think that's too much for them to overcome. I, I think one of the sneaky off season signings that happened so early in the off season that no one has really talked about is them signing Stefan Gilmore. And I think that's only going to solidify that defense even further. They've got really good young safeties. And I think it's really, really going to help that defense just continue to be locked down. I believe they also have Yannick Ngakwe that they brought over to pair along with DeForest Buckner in the middle. And then, you know, Shaquille Leonard at, at linebacker. And then obviously you're getting an, you're getting an improvement in quarterback you're going to get consistency from matt ryan um no i have the colts yeah that's that is who i have for pretty much all the reasons you guys said so i'm ready to move on to a different division so afc east we've talked about them a lot with the trades things going on mike who's taking afc east this year I I have Buffalo this year. I, I just don't see any of the other teams having done enough to, to really surpass that. Um, but again, all this is contingent on how Buffalo's defense uh, shows up with their, with their recent losses. So um, I have buff, but it's, it's, it's real tentative. I mean, I, I want to believe in them a little bit more. I, I love what their offense is doing. Josh Allen. I love how him and Stephon Diggs have such a connection and, um, them bringing in James Cook, I think is really going to be great for them. And I think he'll quickly outpace the rest of their running backs and, and, or sorry, out touch the rest of their running backs. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see what they can bring to the, to the division. And I, you know, being in, in the Northeast, it's, it's, we get so much Boston content and no one, none of the, the pundits out here are excited about their team this year. And, and that's a first because, over the last 15 years, you know, you, you couldn't say that. And, and so it's, it's really something to, to take a look at and I'm, uh, I'm going to double down on buff. Yeah. I'm choosing Buffalo too. Um, not, not much to say on that. I, I, this to me was the easiest division for me to choose the winner. Um, I won't be surprised. I won't be surprised if Buffalo represents the AFC in the Super Bowl. Um, I thought, um, they had a heartbreak not I thought everyone uh, the way their season ended last year was terrible it was, it, I think I'm not even a Buffalo fan and I was it, that pissed me off I was frustrated um, they should have they should have yep. won that game um, yep so that they have that taste in their mouth they're bringing back almost everyone um, good defense once white is better um, healthy I think I think they just pick up where they left last year. Only concern for me with them is their offensive line, but at, I think they'll get by. Um, Buffalo running away with the division halfway through the year. Who do you, out of curiosity, I'm, I'm sorry, JP, before you get into yours, uh, Greg, who do you see having taking second in that league? 
or that division? Um, I'm going to say Miami. Same. Same. If you would have asked me that question, I would have said the Buffalo Bills. Miami's taking the division. AFC oh. East Championship. Bienvenidos a Miami. I think they're going to shock people. I think it's going to happen this year. That I'm wasn't what it. you said in Spanish. It says welcome to Miami for those of you who <laughs> don't have the Spanish culture in your veins. Um, I think legitimately, like being serious about this breakdown, I think that <laughs> offense, I think the offense takes a huge step forward. I think we're going to be able to see the Tua Tagovailoa that people thought was going to come out of Alabama before the hip injury. New coach, new scheme, new lifeblood, new weapons everywhere. You have nothing but speed. You're forgetting that you have the the second best corner in the NFL in Xavier Howard. You have a defense that over the last three years has produced top ten or top five finishes each of the three the last three years. I think this is this is truly something where we're gonna find out a lot more about Tua than we ever have. And I think I'm calling it as my upset pick. I, I and I don't mean this to be some sort of flamboyant flipping pin. I think that the Dolphins have what it takes to compete in that division. And it's it, I don't think it's going to be a blow. I don't think it's going to be Buffalo walking away with it. I do understand that Buffalo are coming in as Super Bowl favorites, but I think that there's going to be some reality to that. I think that, unfortunately, it is as it is to try and predict injuries, I think that Buffalo is going to struggle with injuries this year. And I think that Miami is going to take it. See me in December, boys. No, I'm not even mad at that pick. Uh, Hard to be. Like, I want to say I'm surprised, but I'm not. I could... I don't see it happening, but I don't think it's far-fetched. So, I saved this last division for y'all. For us, JP? <laughs> for y'all. I mean, we we're going to have the shortest the shortest amount to say on it. Exactly. I put it at the end so that we would realize that we're not going to run out of time today. Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> welcome to the AFC North. Mike, take it away. I mean, I have Baltimore winning. Um, but I, uh, hear me out is what I'm going to say. I have Baltimore winning, but I'm not like so sure it's not going to be the Bengals. I have Baltimore winning the division because they have so many players coming back off of IR. They have, you could list the amount of things that the team has done to put themselves in a position to win. However, I think the biggest thing that they did was be patient. And I think that teams like Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh aren't as patient as the Ravens are, for better or for worse, in, in any given situation. I just think that a lot of those teams scrambled. I think drafting Kenny Pickett was a reach. I think drafting Pickens in a second was a reach. I think um, the Bengals haven't done enough to address their offensive line. Even bringing in the folks that they did wasn't enough because they – and this is going to sound, and this is what you guys will laugh at, but those offensive linemen aren't used to the NFC, to the AFC North. They, I, I really don't think that Cleveland has done enough. Uh, Deshaun Watson has never won a game against the Baltimore Ravens, let alone um, been successful uh, consistently against teams in this league. I just, it, it, watching him in, in his only uh, preseason play it was apparent that he is not prepared for this this division and i just i just don't think they've done enough um i think that getting joe burrow back again is going to be great for the for the Bengals. i think that the jamar chase is going to be a stud as normal you know i just i just don't see any of those teams having enough 
depth to your own point earlier about depth having enough of that to compete with the Ravens this year. Um, and it should have been the same last year. It should have been the same year before, yada, yada, yada. And they have to prove something this year in order to justify the contracts that they've extended Harbaugh to and so on and so forth. But no, I, I, I have them taking it, but I'll add a clause or else. <laughs> Time to blow it up. But y'all go on. So since Mike was so short about it, let me tell you why Baltimore is the best organization out there. No! <laughs> I hate everything about that right now. <laughs> I'm so mad. Okay. <laughs> I have gone back and forth uh, the last, like, five minutes about which one I, I want. My my heart says to go with Baltimore because we were so injury-depleted last year, and I really like who we've picked up in the draft and just and just what we've done. But my heart also knows the pain of having another team in the division that can match you. And the Bengals to me very much remind me of the Steelers and what we've struggled with against the Steelers in the years uh, in previous years was their, um, their passing game. And I think it will come down to the last game of the year, whether we play Cincinnati or not off the top of my head. I don't know who we play, but I could see it coming down and just the Ravens breaking my heart. um, Like, like they do where they let a play happen and it shouldn't. And we lost the division that way, or we don't go to the playoffs. I think Cincinnati very well could have a Super Bowl hangover um, like a lot of teams have. But I think it was really smart of them to go out and address their offensive line needs, kind of like how Kansas City did two years ago after they got destroyed in the Super Bowl. And they were, they gave up, like, I think they were the third least amount of sacks in the league last year, that being the Chiefs. So I think Cincinnati saw that and, and addressed their needs. Um, and if Joe Burrow is healthy, I think. I don't know. Ask me again in six weeks, but I, as of right now, I think Cincinnati wins uh, the division. But I, I don't like it, and I'm not strong on that. So, so I'm putting Cincinnati on as of September sixth. So noted. I'm going <laughs> to have the lucky pleasure of actually watching two AFC North teams play this year in person. I'll be able to watch the Bengals play the Panthers in Cincy, and then I'll be watching the Steelers play the Panthers in Carolina and it's exciting. I, I, yeah. I I'm excited. I, I've, this will be the second time I've actually gone up to Cincy and I'm excited to see, see Cincy play. Cause I have them winning this division. I think for all the depth that, that was added on the defensive side of the ball for Baltimore, I've been harping to both of you about this. You're not getting weapons for your playmaker. Who's our you need on? you you need to provide options to your quarterback to throw the ball to, and you, you there's for some reason I don't know if it's faith in Rashad Bateman there hasn't been something they haven't made a move they haven't done something to provide him that option. Yes, you have Mark Andrews who has a lot of issues catching the football, a lot of drops, right? So what are you going to do to help your player who was injured last year come back and feel more comfortable in that offense, right? 
you have now a, a stable of running backs that are coming back from injury, right? With Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, who should be back week one. Gus but on you, pup. Gus is on pup. Yeah, but Gus is Gus is on Gus is still injured. J.K. is coming back week, uh, allegedly coming back week one, right? You you haven't done enough on the offensive side of the ball to help your quarterback be successful in the passing game. And I think that's going to be something that's going to really hurt them. There was opportunities to go out and, and push via the trade market, via free agency, to push for for offensive weapons on the outside, and they just haven't done that. They did like, the exact opposite. They they took away, they subtracted from their wide receiver room in getting rid of Marquise Brown. And I think that's what's going to hold them back. I think Lamar's going to have another wonderful you know, 750-plus yards on the ground this year, but you have to be able to not only just run the ball extremely effectively, you also need to be able to light it up in the air. And that is what's going to win you Super Bowls and win you divisions. And I don't think that they're going to be able to do that this year because they haven't surrounded with Lamar with enough weapons on the outside. And I really hope that going into next year, that's something that they can address in the draft or free agency. But you have to start getting your quarterback options to throw the ball to. Because the development of late round picks hasn't been there. Meanwhile, you look at Cincinnati, and they have wide receivers falling out everywhere. I mean, between Chase, Higgins, Tyler Boyd, like they just have a plethora of options and a good running back. Auden Tate. They they just have they have weapons everywhere, and you don't have that in Baltimore. Your quarterback is your weapon. And you have a really good tight end. No, and just just to go on your on your point, I said this about Kansas City. I like what we did in the draft this year. Defensively, we mm-hmm. got um, the offensive lineman out of Iowa to beef up that. I, I I love what we have on the team, but I said it was with Kansas City. We did get worse on offense, getting rid of a wide receiver. There's especially at that position, which we've struggled with, with so much, um, no matter my personal feelings with Brown and how, how it went down and whatnot, I think it will be mutually best for both teams in the long run. But this year, just this year, it hurts us. It hurts not having him and only having Bateman and who knows what else. So I, I gotta agree with you on that JP. It's, it's hard for me to, uh, to, to try and be hopeful, like, Oh, we got this in return. It, no, it, it it sucks. I'm not sure if I agree with either of you. But that being said, um, let's move on to Super Bowl champions and predictions. Um, JP, why don't you start us off with uh, predictions? So, ironically enough, I have two teams who I did not pick to win their division meeting in the Super Bowl. It's going to be Rams, Bills, and I think the Bills are going to lose. I think the Rams run it back. Impressed. Interesting. Okay. Greg, who do you have taking the Super Bowl? Fun. Anyone know? Fun fact. When was the last team that has won back-to-back? Is it Patriots? It would be the Patriots. It would be the Patriots. And that was years ago. So that's tough to do. So. Um, I have Buffalo. I have no idea who I want out of the NFC. I think um, right now, since I just I truly don't know, I think I'm going to go ahead and humor Cam, and I'm going to say Tampa Bay. 
even though I don't believe don't, that. Don't pad his stats, Greg. He doesn't need it. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Tampa Bay. I don't. I'm not strong on that at all. But I, yep, yep. I'm gonna lock that in. Buffalo, Tampa Bay, and I'm gonna say Buffalo wins. That's awesome. That's that's impressive. What about you, Mike? Oh, I absolutely have the Ravens winning Super Bowl this year. Um, and I have them. Uh, to your point, like, I don't know who I'm going to have them go against, but oh, uh, you're not I kidding. Ideally, oh no, 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 not even, no. not even a little bit. Oh, I, I mean, moved... I shouldn't be surprised, but I was waiting for the, I was waiting for the joke. The, oh the no, jokes I already on made you, those. Rick. I already really made is. those. That was the, that was the offensive lineman in the first round thing. That was, I'm done. I'm, I'm being serious now. No, I think they, I think they could do it. I think, of course, it'll take a lot of work. Yada yada yada, whatever you want to say. However. Uh, I don't know who's going to come out of the NFC, to your point. And I think that it is telling, yet again, that the NFC, uh, as I've often said, is weaker than the AFC in many positions, in many ways. And this is yet another one of those. Wave your hand all you want, JP. I'm right. Um, but no, I don't I don't know who's going to come out of there. Be it, be, it, be it the Rams, Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, Green Bay. I think the Ravens match up well against all of those teams. I think their struggle is, is in, the, in, in the conference. And so... Uh, we'll see if they can win a playoff game this year, but um, yeah, that's it. That's my take. I'm locking it in. Yeah, just just as a reminder to our audience, I believe the NFC has won the last two Super Bowls. And oh, as we well, bring this least... podcast to a close, <laughs> I want to say thank you to Mike and to Greg for allowing me to come on and join full time this season. I'm extremely excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun sharing our time with all of you listening to these, to this podcast, we want to encourage you, please subscribe, rate review. We want to hear from you all. Not only do your reviews mean a lot to us and we love reading them, but they also help us get found by other people to kind of help spread this podcast. Um, as for any new small podcast starting up outreach is vital to success. So we want to say, please subscribe, rate review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and then rate and review once again. Um, really help us try to get this podcast out there as much as possible and stay tuned in to the not another football podcast as we are going to be coming back to you every thursday throughout the season mike greg thank you for everything any last words gentlemen nope nope thanks for joining jp yeah it was a fun episode can't wait to do this all season and uh see you guys next week Broncos country. Let's ride. Let's ride.